my brother Andy's on a trip, so everybody gets to be in here. And guess what? We're going back to Sunday school. This is the Sunday school. This is what I, uh, uh, I was talking about with our class. Um, when we were doing our last series, uh, I would occasionally uh, bring up different stories, and, and, uh, and the, the automatic words come out of an adult's mouth is that, oh, you know this. You know of the story of, or you know of in the Bible where it talks about this person, this, this, this story with Jesus. And it's so easy to say, we all know it. But, you know, we have new Christians here, babes in Christ, that maybe never grew up in Sunday school, never got to see the felt boards. What's these felt boards you talk about? And, uh, and I got to pull this out a couple weeks ago for a little bit of a, one of my lessons, and, and I got positive feedback, and I was, I was hoping for that. And so uh, this is not to belittle Sunday school whatsoever. It's not to dumb down anything whatsoever. These are cherished stories in the Bible that we as Christians, we need to know. We need to, we need to grab a hold of. And sometimes a visual is a good way to do that. Because the stories of the Bible, the stories that we're going to do visuals on, they're not parables. They're actual recorded histories of something that happened. Of a Christ who was flesh and blood, yet God. So, so we're going to, so I, where, where do I start when, when you do the story? Well, you could go chronologically. You could just go through the Bible and start from Adam and Eve. But I really wanted to start with the basic story of gracious redemption. Um, one of my favorite stories, and uh, I'll finish with something when we finish the lesson, but um, uh, it, it's just one of my favorite stories out of the Bible because of what Christ can do and so we're going to talk about the maniac of Gadara, or the man of the tombs, many, many names. But it's not a parable. This is an actual story. A man's life was changed because he got to meet Christ. And we'll see who actually took him to meet Christ. It was the devil. We're going to see that. So uh, let's get in our Bibles. We're going to be in, the, in, in Mark. It's, it's recorded in a couple places, but we're going to use Mark today. Uh, Mark chapter 5. Um, the, the, the maniac of Gadara, uh, the Gerardines is the area, and uh, I have to apologize, I printed my notes and I think I ran out of paper on one of them, but it's, uh, but I've got everything, we got it, I've got it down, I'm excited. Okay, in and, and chapter 5, we'll, we, 1 through 20, we'll do the whole story here and then we'll just break it down. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, this is the Sea of Galilee, unto, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the ship, immediately there met him. Now, he was in the ship with his disciples, um, and he had just been preaching. We'll, we'll talk about that. He, uh, and when he had come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. Super strength. And the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Remember that word, tame. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Jesus is not a tormentor. 
For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? He's not talking to the man. He's talking to his indwelling. What is the name, thy name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion. I get chills every time I hear that. I imagine a, a thousand voices were saying it at once. My name is Legion. For we are many. This is our property. This man is our property. I am legion. And he besought him, but, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were there, nigh in the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. They needed some place. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently violently down the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what, what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. That's a sad reaction. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him it was that, that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Jesus, they wanted Jesus to leave. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. I think there was fear in his eyes of what might happen again. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. What a beautiful story for an ugly man. And there's so much we can get from this. There's so much that we can teach our, our kids with this. And so, number one, anyone can be saved. Anyone can be saved. The, if you look at this story, it's actually, in these 20 verses, it's broken into three acts. Um, and the first act is anyone can be saved. Let's look at verses uh, uh, 1 through 5 of our text. And they come over into the other sea, side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Uh, and so, so they came over. So let's understand that when they, uh, Jesus was with his disciples, they were on the Sea of Galilee, they had just been on the other side preaching to thousands of people. People getting saved, hearing the parables, listening to Jesus. And when he sent them away, he said, let's go to the other side. So he and his disciples, he was, Jesus wasn't alone. But he had his disciples with him, and they came to the other side, and, and his disciples were with him. And Jesus, he too came out. And we had come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, but that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. 
And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. We had a man who was living among the stones. We have a, uh, and he was naked. We'll just hide him behind a rock here. He's naked. Try to find a naked man in a, in a children's story. Really hard. But notice he ran to Jesus. Now, I don't imagine that the maniac of Gadara, as he's called many times, I don't imagine that he sat around the tombs with the latest gazette, or or obviously not with our technology today, going, who is this Jesus that's going around? Maybe he'll come here someday. I doubt that that really happened. So how did this man go running to Jesus and say what he was about to say? Because it wasn't him. He was controlled. And so we'll see that this man who came to Jesus, uh, he, he, we, we get a little bit of a backstory on him. He was bound by chains. People tried to bind him. People tried to tame him. Doesn't that signify an animal? So he was, he was now less than human in people's minds. He was now unworthy of anything. We all are, aren't we? I mean, all of us are unworthy. You could probably put a picture in your mind of who's unworthy to get saved. I mean, if we look in the Bible, we see so many great things. We see, we see the, we see the uh, maniac Gadara. We see Paul. Paul, who persecuted Christians, came to know Jesus on the, on, on the road to Damascus. I'm sure there are many people that probably hated Paul and didn't wish his salvation. It was Saul at the time. I mean, you could probably put any picture that you want of this maniac on your mind, even though it's a real story and not a parable. But I, I'm sorry, I, I sometimes think of Gavin Newsom because I hate the things he does. And it's so easy to transfer that hate to a person, isn't it? And we're not to. We're supposed to pray for him. We're supposed to pray that the Lord will save him or the Lord will remove him. But remember, Removal is eternity away from Christ, away from God. We shouldn't wish that on anybody, even our greatest enemy. So this, this, he represents in this true story, he represents what you might hate, what you might think. Oh, that's just so-and-so, he'll never get saved. We don't know. We haven't asked. But that's our responsibility. So we have anyone can be saved. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2.19. I'm sorry I didn't have it written down because it's on another page that didn't get printed. But 1 Timothy 2.19. Did I say that right? Did I just put No, it's 2 Timothy. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one. Pastor, I know what it's like when you get the wrong verse. <laughs> Pastor, then you start reading and goes, wait a minute. This isn't the right one. Okay, 2.19. No. There is no 219. Anybody remember the verse? It, it, anyone can be saved, that, that all should come to know the Lord and his, uh, uh, his truth. He, he, the Lord wants everyone to get saved. So if he wants everyone to get saved, everyone can get saved. Am I right? Because he's, he, doesn't, he, he's the, the, he is the master of the impossible. But he wants all to be saved. I'm sorry about that. I didn't have the right verse written down. Um, so, but Mark 4, 35. Let's go to the, the verse before, the chapter before where we're in. Mark 5. So Mark 4. 
in Mark 4, 35, we see that this was a divine appointment. So Christ, who had just been on the other side of Galilee and uh, preaching to all, he said in, in 435, he said, and the same day when... Uh, and same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. They probably figured, hell, he just wants rest. Well, he did get some rest. What happened in that boat on the way to the other side? There was a great storm, and Jesus was asleep. And his disciples got fearful and woke him up. And he, he said, peace be still to the wind and the waves. And he controlled it, and they marveled. But that wasn't the miracle he was set out to do. That was one of them. But he knew he had a divine appointment with a man, young or old, it doesn't matter. He had, a, he had a divine appointment with this man on the other side. So, so in this first act, we, we learn of who this man was. We learn of why Jesus uh, got there. Uh, uh, we, we learn of this encounter. In act two, we learn that the devil is even subject to God. The devil is even subject to God. Um, <clears throat> go to uh, let's do 6 through 13 that's the second act of this story but when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said what have I to do with thee Jesus thou son of the most high God I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not for he said unto him come out of the man thou unclean spirit and he asked him what is thy name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country now there were there, nigh in the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into them, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. We see that the devil, his, his demons... His minions, they are subject to God. They are the ones that knew Christ has stepped on the shore. They probably knew it a little before he stepped on the shore. But they are the one that took the man to meet the Savior. Their Savior. One that they have to worship. They are subject to God. And so when we are controlled by sin, when we are controlled by the devil who is the author of sin, who loves us to, to, to lose fellowship with the Lord, we have to remember that what's controlling us is not more powerful than God. God controls that. Um, James 2.19, uh, have you ever uh, gone out and you door knocked you, or, or just you, you shared with somebody, it was on your heart, you shared uh, uh, Christ with somebody, and you, oh yeah, I know God, I got my Jesus card, I've heard that before, I, got, I know God. Oh, that's great. What does James 2.19 say? James 2.19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Great. I'm glad you believe that there's a God. But you know, the devils also believe, and they tremble. They're subject to. They must do what God says. So always remember that we, we have a God who is greater than the devil, greater than his demons, greater than a thousand, two thousand of legion. He is greater, this one man, son of God. So have you sought God's power over sin in your life? Have you tapped into that? 
We have access. The same power that was presented here to this man, we have access to that. And if we're failing, it's not because of God. It's because we're letting, letting the devil have place. God had complete control over Legion. He had complete control over, this, over the devil. And so we get this picture. We see, we see what had happened. But something wonderful is about to happen. Let's go into Act 3. Let's go into Act 3. And this is the best part. When Christ saves, life is anew. When Christ saved, life is anew. In verse 14, And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what was, uh, that what was done. And they came to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. So we have a, a group of people now that have come, and they come to see what's going on, what happened. We, uh, uh, they want to see what's happened, but now they see... A man clothed in his right mind like them. He's no longer an animal. He's no longer less than human. They see him clothed in his right mind. Christ is the only one who can straighten our mind. I think of our RU program and how even, I even heard today on public radio where researchers and people that talk about uh, breaking addictions uh, uh, humanist social, social sociologists, whatever, will say, yeah, there's something about this Jesus. When people give up alcohol, they need to replace it with the, the Holy Spirit. They even recognize that God is the only thing, the only one who will get, break us of our chains, break us uh, of the, the, the sin of addiction. And so he was sitting in his right mind, and they, in verse 16, and they saw it, and they that saw it told them how it befell to, to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Oh, by the way, we lost our swine. <laughs> Heard that. Why, why, why was there swine being fed in a, in a country that doesn't eat pork? You know, so, so their sin was exposed. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Not... Yay, look what you did to this man. No, you need to leave before you see my sin. Get, get out, leave. This, this is too great for us to see. We, we enjoyed having this man in the tombs because it's out of our sight, out of our mind, and it, it kind of validated their sin. Well, I'm not as bad as the maniac in the tombs. As long as I'm not as bad as him, it's all good. Sin is sin. And so they, they, they did not want to have Christ around. They, they couldn't take the good that he did. And when he had come into the ship, Jesus started to leave. And when he had come into the ship, that he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on, he, on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. He went from a man who was possessed by legion to a man proclaiming Christ. Look what, come and see, look what Jesus did for me. He went and told. Jesus tells us to go and tell. 
We all have a wonderful story. We might not be the maniacs of Gadara. We might be looking and go, well, at least we didn't sin like that. No. But we have a Savior who saved us from a life that could have been. So have we tapped into that? So have we asked Christ? Have we, have we taken that, sal- that free salvation? Um, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are old. They're, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's why we say born again. You get to starting over. It's a new life in Christ. And that's what this man got to, got to feel and got to see. I love this story. One of the reasons that it became such a um, beautiful story to me was when I was in college. And uh, a, a man came and he was, uh, uh, he played guitar, a pretty big man. He had a guitar that looked like a ukulele, but it was a regular, regular guitar. But he wrote a song and, he, and it's called Man of the Tunes. I love this song. I'm not going to sing it for you, though, but I'm going to tell you the words. Man of the tombs, he lives in a place where no one goes. He tears at himself and lives with a pain that no one knows. He counts himself dead among the living. He knows no mercy and no forgiving. Deep in the night, he's driven to cry out loud. Can you hear him cry out loud? Man of the tombs, possessed by an unseen enemy, He breaks every chain and mistakes his freedom for being free. Shame and shamelessness equally there, like a random toss of a coin in the air. Man of the tombs, he's driven to cry out loud. Underneath this thing that I've become, a fading memory of flesh and blood, I curse the womb, I bless the grave, I've lost my heart, I cannot be saved. Like those who fear me, I'm afraid, like those I've hurt, I can feel pain. Naked now before my sin and these stones that cut against my skin. Some try to touch me, but no one can. For man of the tombs, I am. Down at the shoreline, two sets of footprints meet. One voice is screaming. Other voice begins to speak. In only a moment and only a word, the evil departs like a thundering herd. Man of the tombs, He hears this cry out loud. Underneath this thing that you've become, I see a man of flesh and blood. I give you life beyond the grave. I heal your heart. I come to save. No need to fear. Be not afraid. This man of sorrows knows your pain. I come to take away your sin and bear its marks upon my skin. When no one can touch you, still I can. For son of God, I am. Dressed now and seated, clean in spirit and healthy of mind, man of the tombs, he begs to follow, but must stay behind. He'll return to his families with stories to tell of mercy and madness of heaven and hell. Man of the tombs, soon he will cry out loud. Underneath this thing that I once was, now I'm a man of flesh and blood. I have a life beyond the grave. I've found my heart. I can now be saved. No need to fear, I'm not afraid. This man of sorrows took my pain. He comes to take away our sin and bear its marks upon his skin. I'm telling you this story because, man of the tombs, I was. What a beautiful picture of the the story of this maniac of Gadara who can be any one of us. 
and we may have seen them. We were just in Sacramento yesterday and see all the, the homeless encampments all around. It breaks your heart. Some, some camps, that people are, are actually taking, trying to get help. And some don't want to go to the camps where, where they're going to offer help because they want to live in their sin. They want to separate. They've determined that I'm different than everybody else. I will stay in, in my bondage. Oh, we need to get him saved. Christ's the only one. He saved us. He can save anybody. He saved the maniac of Gadara. He can save anyone. What a wonderful picture of redemption. Teach your kids. Use these. It's awesome. And so I hope, hope that was a help to you today. So uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this, this morning that we get to come together as a big class and, and all that who are here. And, and Lord, I just thank you for the story of the, the former maniac of Gadara, that you showed grace and kindness and loved him. That, Lord, you controlled the devil. You had a place for them. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just work in our lives. I pray for those who haven't given that, that final decision to have you as their Savior. And that you are here for them. You're here for anyone who will ask. Lord, I just pray today that, Lord, we'll have uh, people that will come to know you, Lord. That they'll take a step of uh, faith because you've promised that if we asked, we would be saved. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this class. I don't ever want to take it lightly. I love the stories that you have for us, such a vivid picture of your love for us, Lord. And I just ask that you just bless the remainder of our time this morning. Bless our fellowship right now uh, as we prepare for the service. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, folks. We've got a few minutes that we can uh, fellowship, and then we'll have... Uh,